you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood brain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. This is Manny Digital. Welcome to another episode of the Dribbling Dimes Podcast. Yo, I'm in Connecticut, B. I came to Connecticut. I needed to get a sense of Connecticut ball. This is going to be our first true-to-life, born-and-bred Connecticut product that we're going to talk to today. Um, but first, let me let me properly introduce my man. He is a Colby Cathedral High School graduate. He actually helped lead the group, the group there to a state championship when he was uh, coming out of there. He's a Bridgeport, Connecticut native. He operates the New England Supreme Basketball Academy. Uh, he's hooped both at the University of Connecticut and the University of Massachusetts, my alma mater, if you haven't known by now. Uh, and today he helps out as a juvenile detention officer here in Connecticut. He's done a lot for his community. He works diligently to take the platforms that he's had opportunities to be a part of and has created to enrich Connecticut culture and the basketball landscape here. My guest on the show right now is Mr. Marcus Cox. How you doing? It's Marcus Cox. Yeah, yeah. He's mad mellow smooth like that, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you don't scream? You don't get crazy? I do. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I do. All right. I try. I try. I always been known to keep it. You low key. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's well, what's up. You know, I got that side. But you a savage on a basketball court. Definitely. Still. Yes. Um, you not, get it not, in? not to that degree in my age group, you know. But I'm saying thirty and over. <laughs> if, if, if we're comparing age brackets, are you? Would you consider yourself a dominant player at this age group? Yeah, okay. I would. I would. I mean, it's sinking down now because you know my, um, you know my knees not getting any better, but okay, you know, right. I'm, I'm, it's almost over, but I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's interesting because, uh, and I'm, by the way, I'm just taking the label off this thing right quick because they ain't paying me no money, so. <laughs> Shout out to water bottle people everywhere. <laughs> um, it's interesting you say that, and, and you say it like you're not afraid of like the end, right? Of, of no. playing. No. And granted, your your call it your professional exploits are probably past you by now, but but it's it's interesting because when your mind still can take you to places on the court that your body can't, it's a really hard thing. And Speaking like an, a complete amateur, like that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Getting up in age, we're very close in age. Yeah, you you kind of just was like, yeah, you know, it's it's a rap almost. Like, yeah, I, I mean, when you start so young, and um, I think we had this conversation earlier talking about Zion. Like, I feel like sometimes you can be, get burnt out. I started probably about third, fourth grade, got real good in sixth grade, and um, started moving up. But, with, with, you know, I had a lot of injuries young. But back then, we played on concrete. Mm-hmm. So, concrete, 
tore a lot of people's knees up. Right. These kids don't have to play on that anymore. We we more knowledgeable about that. Because they're on hardwood yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think when your body starts to wear down, and like my doctors told me, man, he was like, yeah, we know you don't love to play basketball still, but you might need a knee replacement. My father had two. He stopped playing at 40. Okay, so your father was a hooper my, too. Yeah, I'm the furthest who made it. And okay. My, and I... I didn't play my senior year, so my father clunked out his sophomore year. My uncle was real good. He clunked out his freshman year of college, college all due to bad limbs, bad knees. So my so feet, it's it genetics. runs, it's genetics. My Damn. aunt, all of she played basketball <laughs> knees, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's young Mr. Cox over here yeah. on the one and twos, if, if you haven't heard. Yo, that's crazy. So did, I mean, was it like obvious for you early like was your dad telling you look this might not be a long thing no never thing. you know okay. we don't think, we don't think like that okay. but um i did notice i wore a knee brace since then near my like freshman year i started mm. wearing like a, a brace here and there i took it off of high and, school yeah um and i started just noticing you know um my performance level was super high then cuz you're young right and, and I think I think when I got to about uh, my ju- my sophomore year after I left UConn because I, I was having real bad knee problems, <clears throat> and when I left and Lapis put me in the dunk contest, and I'm like I'm in that madness, and I'm like <laughs> I start noticing like yo I might not be able to be dunking like that no more. So, what you like warming up trying to yeah, get ready? Yeah, and when, I, and when I first came to the school, yeah. God bless his soul. Uh, I don't know if you remember Ronell Blizzard. Nah, I don't. He passed away, but he played with us. Okay. And um, the, wait, was there some accident that he was involved in, or it was some um, natural causes thing? I think right now it's natural causes. Okay. Nah, there was someone else that passed. Yeah, his was natural causes. Had an accident. But with him, um, you know, he was about six, six nine, six ten. And I first got to the school, and I, I took off on the baseline. I never forget, and I dunked on him. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, I told you he got hops." I Wait, like, you. like nuts on the forehead, type? like crazy. Oh, shit. like, like I surprised myself, but that was like my last. I knew big dunk. After that, my knee hurt it so bad, and I said, "Oh my god!" So what? You so landed, bad. and you was like, "Ow!" Like afterwards. Oh, okay. Just from taking off, because you know, once you start, you know, you got to put your body into taking off. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I oh yeah. Dunked in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tore, I tore my knee up. <laughs> I, I understand. I've just never experienced it. So, so uh, obviously a big. I don't know. Obviously, I want to actually ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Smith is big out here. Uh, yeah, Chris Smith. Yep, uh, he kind of follow, you follow kind of his yeah, footsteps yep. trajectory like mentor, wise. Yep. So when did that come into play? I figured there was a connection because of the path you also took. Yeah. Um. Well, Chris always came back to the school, and back then it was um, my father went to the school, my uncle played for the school, so a lot of my family went there too. Oh. Um, it was a guy named Walter Luckett. He was the first player ever to be on Sports Illustrated, um, who wound up going to Detroit Pistons. Then he got, I mean, he had like a knee injury, so he he wound up getting cut. It's like a Bridgeport thing, baby. Yeah, <laughs> damn. Yeah, so um, once Chris was the next after that, and Chris used to come to the school when I got real big. He wanted to talk to me about my decisions. At that time, I had Lapis was at Villanova. Yeah. I had uh, Virginia. Um, Pete Gillen, I think, was there. Um, Kansas wanted me bad. So I had my top four, like Kansas, and I think I had Rutgers, and I had... Um, I had... Um, was it... Who was... UConn. And I had, and I had, C, I had UMass in there, too. Okay. And uh, he came to the school, and he said, um, you know, I don't know if you should go to UConn. And I was just like... 
the whole school was like, like the principal was like, why would you tell why, him that? Why would you say that? <laughs> and he was just like, no, because I think it's too close. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and my and my father, when he got on the phone with Roy, um, Roy Williams, he was just like, yo, like he should go to Kansas. My father said it's further out. I think that he'd be more focused. I just think UConn is too close. Hmm. And I think it, it knocked me a little bit staying so close to home. You, you think, know? do you, in retrospect, do you think going away would have made it made you more focused I think on definitely. getting the job done? For me, yeah, because you at that so? point in time, I would be, we'll play on ABC against, like, say, Arizona. It'd be a big game. You know, we always rated in the top 20. And um, after the game, 9 o'clock, I'm back home in the, the club homies. somewhere. Uh, you know, in one of the clubs, coming back this way. Yeah. You know, going to New Haven. You know, going, you know. So it was just going back to Bridgeport, going to Milford. It was just like, why are you coming home so much? And it started, you know, I can get home quick. Yeah, and right a, lot of people, a lot of people went to from, um, you know, from CT was at UConn. Mm-hmm. So I get a ride home real quick, you know. And then once I got a car, that was it. I was back and forth. And it, and it really messed me up because my focus. We had kids that was from Oklahoma, from like further away that could stay at school and be focused. They didn't have nobody, you know, coming to get them, no distractions. It's in, it's interesting because you could you could also it could also go the other way, right? Mm-hmm. So like you go far away from home, the amount of independence you now have. Some a lot of college kids have have a tough time yeah. managing that, right? Yeah, yeah. But but you think you would have done better I, than it turned out? Hey, me, my father, my father told me all the time. He was just like, you know, and I just said, I'm not going away to Kansas. You know, at yeah. that time, UConn just won the championship, right? Yeah. You know, we were top three recruiting class. I was I was in the top five or six point guards in the country. I'm like, man, I'm going. Okay, I'm getting all that love. I'm going to UConn. <laughs> you know? it, you could, nobody could, look, I, I, I didn't care what Chris came to talk to me. I was like, I'm, I'm going. Everybody knew. I've been a UConn fan since little. Forever. Me and my, my father, we watched UConn. UConn, Ray Allen, um, Ricky Moore, Rajmo, my boy Rajmo Jones. Um, you know, me and Khalid are still tight. Me and Khalid, I mean, so, no, I was a UConn fan, man. It's, it's crazy because, I mean, if we fast forward through your collegiate career, I mentioned at the open you went both to UConn and to UMass, but you're still very closely associated with UConn, even though yeah. to somebody like me, not mm. understanding the dynamics of why that decision happened, it's almost like it's almost like Judas, right? Like you, you, you know, you could kind of look at it that way. Like you abandoned one place, yeah. And I want to get into the reasons why. I think mm. I understand, but but you're really tight with with UConn to this day. Like yeah, people. Associate you almost like if you went there four years and and that's kind of what you're known for being you know, a local product. And, and, I, and I and I used to make a big thing out of that. Like I went to UMass too. Like is UMass right? Right. When I was leaving um, UConn, it was such a big thing because for you or for Calhoun, people, like was just like you really gonna go to UMass? That was our rival. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I know. he was like, you know, he did not. He wanted me to stay, but at that point in time. I still had all these schools that wanted me, so I said I gotta go somewhere and start. Like I'm, you know, Ben Gordon was coming in, which is my guy, and Talik Brown and Talik, was coming in, you know. And once me and Talik got in that battle, and I started, we started together, you know what I mean. Then um, you know, I started a couple games, and then we went, you know. I think that a lot of politics played in, into it, mm-hmm. and you know, I, my playing time got shortened. So I was like, man, I got all these tons of schools that still want me. Plus, I had gotten you know a little bit of stuff. So. After that, I was just like, I'm gonna go to Start UMass, and they 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 had a fix. I remember Karan Butler was just like my boy Karan was just like, 
Like we, we were going at it. He's calling me a traitor. I was like, Whoa. yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. From, for, the, for the person on the outside, it, absolutely, and we get it. Like, yo, this overloaded with guards. They were overloaded with guards. Yeah. And then you had an incoming class behind you yeah. that was, you know, coming strong. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Like, it's a lot of competition for just a couple of spots. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, damn, dog. Like. This is home, so it's really difficult for for them to understand. But so, can you take us through what happened and why? Um, I mean, the details. I I think I covered like the generalities of it. Um, you said going from UConn to UMass. Yeah, like why? Um, why did you make that decision? Well, uh, it was a lot of schools that were still on me at that point, and uh, you know, at the end of the year, um, we have our Your discussions. Second year. Uh, Your my second year. year after after the year, you know, we have our discussions. About you know basically what your your future is gonna be at the school, you know we talk and um you know make a decision. So Calhoun was just basically like you know the starting spot is yours, like this is yours. You know Talika's younger than you. You know you've been here. You know I remember Khalid called me down to the office from to talk to me. So I'm thinking like all right. So I stay at school the whole summer. You know and um thought it was gonna be a good year. It, you know, the politics came in in many different aspects, which I won't talk about. Yeah. But a lot of different politics came in. And when I put up that I was transferring, Virginia, Providence, uh, UMass, the schools are still flooding. You know what I'm saying? Kansas still calling. So I'm like, hold up. Wait, hold on. Backtrack a second. So when you say you put it up. Meaning, you, like, you, you announced that you're transferring. Okay, so what? You call the press? Like, how does that work? Yeah, you got to, well, you go to, well, when you're, when you're at a big-time school and big-time player, like, whatever you do, you got to go to the press. Got so, it. I had to announce it in the paper. And that was, like, sanctioned. Like, it, it was something that you said to Coach Calhoun. Hey, look. This, yeah, yeah. This is what it, it is. He, he, we talked. And, okay. and that's why me and, and I, and that's the reason, you know, we're cool to this day. Because Calhoun becomes, like, he was like a dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Calhoun, no matter if you left the school to him, he was like, you're always you kind of me. You know what I mean? Because he'd been recruiting me since sophomore year in high school. Mm. I mean, he was coming to my games to come and get me. You get what I'm saying? Right. So, everybody always branded me as UConn. Right. So, um, you know... We had a real talk, man, and I was just like, you know, I got to go somewhere and play coach, and I want to start. And he was like, I understand, because he couldn't promise me yeah. that I won't have to split minutes with everybody. Yo, that's that's a man's man right there. Yeah. Both, both of y'all. And he was like, you're too good. So I was going to UMass. I was, um, I think I was um, top, I mean, Dick Vitale, top five transfers. I know. Um, then going into U- UMass, they had me like newcomer of the year or um, something like that. So it was just like the hype okay. train was heavy. Yes. Yeah. So it was like you know still agents you know hey we, we can get you into the draft you know everything is looking good, but you know um, me having you know sent out that year my father told me he said I feel like you don't work out enough. He was like if you sit out this year it could hurt you and I was he's like you sure you don't want to stay at UConn. And I was like, nah, I'm out with that. You know what I'm saying? And that year hurt me. When I tell you that I became a student and I still was practicing with the team, but when you're not playing in them games and you ain't got a responsibility to be there at all times, you become like a you student. You get lights a days ago about yeah, it. Yeah, I think that year did kind of tarnish me. So instead of you doubling down on getting prepared for the following year where you can play, you yeah. kind of just did the bare minimum. Bare minimum. Got it. Bare minimum. And my talent was so long because I was so good with the, my talent for so many years that you I just can, rested on that. I can go out there and still do what I do. Right. You know, but I, I but my father told me like that's only gonna go but so far because you have to put the work in. And I understand it now. Of course. This is what I preach to these kids. You know what I'm saying? My little cousin's at Kobe now, Ty, and he's like, Yeah, I got him playing like a monster now, me and his father, you know what I'm saying? So 
you know, just things like that. Retrospect is a, is, is a hell of a tool. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> but so your father's telling you all this stuff. And I know your coaches have, have said this it publicly stated, like, I think he could work harder mm-hmm. if we push him more. Like, and I'm sure that there was some contention with you and your coaches at some point because, like, you can only push a button so many times. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any, like, real fallouts, any, like, you know, battles between you and the coaching staff when they're trying to push your, your excellence? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was um, very confrontational. Uh, I was very confrontational at that point, meaning um, I just didn't want to – being so young and mature, like you don't want somebody to keep bothering you. Yeah. So I would get very defensive about it and we'll wind up arguing sometimes and you know, coaches always tell me, Man, you just gotta listen sometimes. You just gotta pay attention and listen. Stop trying to be so stubborn and defensive. And I think that happened with me throughout college. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I if I would have sat back and would have listened more, it'd have been better. Um, when I went to UMass, Lapis was kind of the opposite where I felt like he let me get away with some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think he kind of spoiled me. Yeah. So now when he did start coming at me, it was more or less. Oh, you weren't expecting it. Yeah, he so, didn't so, you that way. so we had a game at Fordham. And in the game at Fordham, I remember my family came and Smush Parker was there and we playing against Smush and I really wanted to, you know, get at Smush. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're the second person. <laughs> I was, talk, I was talking to, oh, this gentleman. He's a good dude. Smush talking like, you know, he talking yeah, a lot. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. So I mean? you want to get at him. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. And he, plus, you know, being at that time, because Bob Hill wanted me to go there and play with them. It, okay. it, was, it was my guy Jeff was there, and um, it was Smush was there, and they had another player there. And Bob Hill was preaching in my transfer, you know, I can get you into the league, which you see he got smushed into the league. You get what I'm right, saying? Right. So I'm like, damn, like, how you did it? But, um, you know, Lapis, I, I think I made like two mistakes or I missed a layup or something. What's going on? And Lapis. He, he's not feeling your layups. <laughs> and, and, and Lapis took me out the game. And I just walked straight this to the locker room. This was at Fordham, this, this Fordham game. At Fordham. Okay. And I just walked to the locker room. Oh, so once like I, you skipped sitting down on the bench. Yeah, like I just got up. So then they they, t- they came and talked to me, and they said, um, and they said you need to come out of the locker room. So I'm like, come out the locker room. I'm like, Man, I don't want to go out there. So I got back out on the bench. So we get down to the um, to halftime now, and I'm just sitting there. You can't tell me nothing. I'm blacking out. So I'm sitting there like, why am I blacking out? Like he got me this mad. You know, my family here, you gonna embarrass me, you know, it's a big game, you know what I mean? And, and it's like that school wanted you, so it was just a lot of different yeah. things going through my head. And I just wind up going bananas and picked the chair up. And they grabbed me, and he looked at me like, like you're, you, you're really? wild. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck, I don't care. The coaches, they said, please stop. I'm like, no, nah, I don't care. Like, I just wanna get out of here. Like, you know, I don't wanna be here no more. And I think that's when, like, you know, everything started, like, looking down. Because I, st- I was starting at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So now. This is in-game, on the court. Yeah. Did you we bugged bu- out. Yeah, I bugged out. So um, my parents, you know, my father looking at me. And now I'm embarrassed. You know what I mean? Right. So I get back on the bus. We don't talk. And I get back. And then we have a meeting. And, you know, he came to me. He was like, man, you know, what's the problem, man? Like, is that serious that you want to, like, you. You feel like this? And I just feel like, I feel like you're just jerking me now. Like, you brought me over 
you know, I came with you, I gave you, you know, second shot. When you was at Nova, I didn't go, and I said, once, you know, I'm going to give Lapis that second shot. So, you know, I was real frustrated, but, you know, we got through it, and I wound up starting towards, like, the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Until that's, I got yo, that's, that's, a, I'm just, I'm thinking, if I'm Lapis, mm-hmm. right, and, and you, you do that, I'm going to have to bug out. You want to tell me? Yeah, I'm I'm really shocked that Lapis was able to be so professional with a situation like that. I, I think I think because um, he never I wasn't that type of kid, so I think for him it was just like it was out like, of character. Whoa, like like I I I really I really messed him up like this. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I really feel like that's what it was. So he you felt like he was like taking a little bit of he was shocked because he didn't think he was going. As hard potentially as it might have affected you. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Pablo. <laughs> so good. Hey, for those of you listening and you don't have kids, take this as an example. <laughs> Us dads, we got stuff we got to deal with. Yeah, right? we we're trying to get things done. Oh. But it's the most amazing ride you'll ever go on. Trust me. Yeah. Um, cool. So you get back to UMass mm-hmm. um, and you guys have a meeting. Yeah, and so you you express to him like what you ex- why he's falling short of the expectations apparently he set for you. Yeah, and then what happens after that? After that, I picked it up. I mean, so um, he just what he just walked under the bridge for him. Like what was? Yeah, you know, you know, I, I think because we knew each other for so long and we we developed a relationship, it was just like you know what you know I know he ain't that type of kid. Okay, I'm gonna just you know give him another shot. To yeah. see, you know, what he does with it. And I play, I just, it picked me up. I was rebounding like crazy, playing hard, got back in the starting lineup. You know, because that beginning of that year, I played so well in Maui. And, um, you know, and. You stunting on I me st- right now? Huh? You stunting on me right now? No, playing so well in Maui. No, no, no. I said <laughs> I, play, I played so well in Maui that I just felt like it was going to be a great year. And then um, I think maybe the fourth game of the season. Remember Troy Bell? Mm, from yeah, Boston I think he was College, after me, after he me. torched us. You know, they had a, they had him. They had a couple other kids. Um, and he he wanted to go into the NBA with this other kid, but they torched us. And um, okay. after that, it started going like downhill. I think the team's confidence. You know okay. What I'm so, but that's a good dude, though, man. He's a good dude. That's what's up. I mean, I hear good things. Mm-hmm. Here. So so that was your first year at UMass. Yep, that's my first year playing at UMass. My okay. first year playing, at right. UMass, I sat out. Right. I sat out. Definitely. So how, how does it work? Because technically speaking, you did five years of, of university yeah. time before eligible years yeah. of, of playing time. That's how it goes. You get four years. So, so and and so did you, you made it through the last season? Your, your no. senior season? Um, okay. So oh, what happened was, play. yeah, so my junior year, um, like I said, um, I started, my knee started swelling up a lot, you know, because at UConn, Calhoun's into ice and stem, so it don't matter. You ain't getting no surgery. He don't believe in them surgeries, right. you know, which, you know, some people don't. But um, it got to the point, man, where after every practice, every game, my knee was swelled, was swelled up, you know, like a big freaking tire. Wow. So uh, we wind up, you know, going to the doctor, and the doctor said, you have a knee of a 62-year-old. Yo. And that right there was the most heartbreaking thing I think of I ever faced. I was just like, huh? He said, I don't think you got too much longer. And I'm like, 
You serious? He said you have you have a little bit of cartilage left, which is barely anything. So you practically bone on bone. Bone on bone. Wow. So you know, I went. I tried to rehab. I didn't rehab as hard as I should could have on my own. You okay. know what I'm saying? I was doing a rehab, but um, you know, our fitness training was just Bob. But, um, yeah, we don't. We, human beings, we tend not to. When you yeah. go to like rehab, it's like you do it there, and then when you gotta do it on your own, you're not doing much. I just watched everything go sour as far as you know. Now the agents find out, um, you know, it's getting around, and I'm gonna be used goods overseas. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So that's when you know me and Lapis started talking about, you know, hey, listen, I know this is tough. I don't think you're going to be able to make it through your senior year, which I didn't because the, the pain I was playing through, through practice. And he, they was noticing. They was like, yo. And we had, I remember our first scrimmage game my senior year, man, and the pain was so bad. And I sat there, and he was just like, man, I don't think you could do it. He's like, but I want you to finish out, and I want you to come on the coaching staff. But I was like, nah, I wasn't doing that. Marcus! You know what I'm saying? Which now? Hindsight. Yeah. Now you're like, damn, I was an idiot. It was great because he told me. People don't get that. And he told me I could bro. keep you here and then get you to Philly Dickinson to get a. So this guy. He was thinking ahead for you. Yes. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. I said I loved him because I was like, yo, this the is the first guy where it wasn't about like straight basketball. Like, it's not, like, yeah. It's like make me look about, good as a coach. Yeah. Nah, he really cared about you as the individual. So, um, you know, even though, you know, I got my associates and I'm nine credits short. I still got close enough to get into the career I wanted to get into, which was criminal justice. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which is a lot of jobs in criminal justice. So you know? uh, we were talking off air a little bit, and uh, I'm I'm a big advocate. And on this show, if you listen to it, you'll hear it over and over again. When when an athlete, a basketball player, in our case, mm-hmm. makes it to a place where they earn a degree, uh, sorry, earn a scholarship mm-hmm. for the opportunity to earn a degree. Mm-hmm. That to me is like, yo, like you made it. Mm-hmm. Like pros and all of that is great. That's like yeah. gravy on top. But to me, it's like because it's so hard to get to college for many people, yeah. right? To afford to go to college, yeah. right? Student loans. So, yo, it's insane. I'm blessed. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> for the fact for you being nine credit short, my man, like I know you, you almost made it. Yeah. Like you, you right there. You at the door. Yeah. Even if you got to come out of pocket at Harvard, uh, maybe not Harvard. That's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but like nine credits ain't crazy compared to 120 that you got to get. You yeah. know what I mean in a normal yeah. school year or uh, career. Mm-hmm. So are you going to finish? Yes. All right. Definitely. Do, can, that's, that's can we get a commitment thing. date on the show? Um, I'm gonna give you about. <laughs> You're not ready. 2020. 21. Uh, all right. About 21. 21. Give me, give me the 21. We give you, we give you a year and a half ish. <laughs> you know, and white and white and my wife is on me too because you know, like I said, she's going for her doctrines now and she just got her master's, so it's like I got to pick it up. <laughs> you you got to get that look every night yeah. before she goes to bed. Give you the give you the face <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Yo, but that's what's up, man. So mm-hmm. so you in the criminal justice field? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mentioned earlier, so you you work at a youth uh, yeah Bridgeport Juvenile Detention in Bridgeport. Got it. And you and you labeled it perfectly. I was trying to find out like right, yeah. what is that you do? Yeah, you like, said you like a juvenile CO. Juvenile like a JD, CO. It's a juvenile detention officer, but we do the same thing basically. CO except for the weapons. Right. So <laughs> so do the inmates there, the staff? Do they know your history? Like who? Yeah. Who, oh who you yeah. Growing up. Well, one thing one thing you find out in the state. It, they take care of their athletes, especially CT. Like, yeah. you know, everybody in there is an ex-athlete. You know, it was it was a great one, you know, back in their time. So um, when I first got out of school, you know, that's the first thing um, 
one of my cousin's best friends was a deputy supervisor there. And he was like, man, one of the first things you're going to make sure is you got a career, you got a job. You know, you coming home and you land back. Because I think everybody was like, he's letting it go? Yeah. Like, it's over? It was it was hard to, for people to look at me and be like, it's over. And it was, a, it was a depression. It was a little depression. But it was just like, I'm the type of guy who always said, like, I'm going to get it some way you know what I'm saying I'm not gonna sit around if basketball don't work out because I always thought about that if basketball didn't work out because I know wow. players with injuries and I had a lot of players that was with me that you know ended up in worse positions because you know they was basketball or bust so, right you know, you know what I mean so for me it was just like nah I got too many connections I'm gonna figure it out so your transition period was a lot shorter as far as the pain moving from only thinking about basketball to um, I wouldn't say it was shorter because even when I got into the gig, you still had people. Oh, Marcus, Mar oh, like damn. what happened, Marcus? Yeah, you know right. what I mean. So you still facing that from especially from your town. You know what I mean. So, um, you know, I it kind of depressed me to the point where I just was working. Um, Thank you. I stopped working out. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to the gym. I gained mad weight. You know, so come here, come here, come here, come here. I gained mad hilarious. I gained mad weight, and so that part of my career was, uh, I mean, part of my life became tough, you know. And then one day my father said, Man, you know, what are you gonna do? You're not gonna give back, you're gonna sit around, you know what I'm saying? So he bought me a gym bag for my birthday, and I was just like, and He was like, If you want to coach these kids, if you want to, he said, Start looking like a player, get yourself together. And I went back to the gym, started working out. Next thing you know, I'm playing little leagues, rehabbing my knee. And Yo, your father's coaching. a genius, baby. Like, that was mad my father symbolic. Missed, my father never missed a day at the gym in about 40 years. Okay. He's like a gym rat. Like, that's what he do. So, you, you talked about you being, uh, in, you know, the CEO, a juvenile CEO. Mm. Um, you said that in Connecticut, athletes that come through here get a lot of benefits, right? They, you, they, they get taken care of here in Connecticut. I think, I get, yeah, they take care of athletes, right. definitely. So in, in your job, how does that play out? Like, because inmates may not really know who you are. I don't know how old they are because, uh -huh. you know, people lose track of well, it's athletes. Well, it's um, being, being that, you know, we don't like to really call it a jail. It's more of residential services. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, because, I actually felt know, weird saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I say, I try to, you know, uh, describe the job as that because, you know, it is still a locked facility. Sure. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But we don't look at it like that. Like, we put, it's a lot of stuff in place for these kids. It's almost, I'm not going to say kiddie land, but they make it not as bad to come in. I mean, there's still fights. You know, sure. constantly. Um, you still got the gangs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I think New York might be a little tougher when it comes to yeah, that. New York is like, down here New York is like, like jail. Yeah, down here, they we, we have more of a, a caring type also. You know what I mean? So, uh, we are allowed to bring, you know, I had, like, I had a documentary in high school. So, show the kids where I come from, who I am. And, and a lot of them relate with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it makes it makes your relationship a little better. And, um, you know, sometimes we even have programs where um, the kids come out and if they want to get into a basketball program, they can come to my camp. You know what I mean? The state will pay and stuff for it. Okay. So um, it's, a, it's a lot of positivity going on in there. That's, that's dope. Yeah, and that's, that's what I started loving about the job. 
because you could move out and go probation. It's different areas, different spots you could move into. But I'm a hands-on guy. I love doing it with the kids. I love giving back. I love showing them. I have, you know, I enjoy work. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you got the, you know, your... They still watch you a lot because you're with kids. So sure. you got to be careful. Sure. But I enjoy it, man. You see some talent in there. Um, we had a kid the other day. He's nasty in football. We have another kid who's great in basketball. Some kids made it out. And everybody messes up when they're young. So some kids make a stop through. Then we had another kid. He was doing all types of crazy card tricks, pulling stuff out of his mouth like a magician. Wow. And you were out here like, there's so much talent out there. You know? And it, and it starts with the kids. Yeah. You know, 100%. that's the biggest thing. So it's, it's. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about it. So I'm glad you described how yeah. how Connecticut handles that. Because um, a lot of times, so, as soon as you, and I'll say the system just for lack of a better term, but once kids or, or people get into trouble in some capacity and they're now registered in the system, and mm. it's a really difficult thing for them not to continue down that path. The way the system is designed. That's, that's, that's right there. That's what will tangle you up. And give you mixed reviews about the job mm -hmm. because uh, you watch these kids; they're giving them a lot of probation, and sometimes these kids have eighteen month probation. They're turning they're turning seventeen, eighteen. So once they finish their program, they still on like six months probation. Now, what happens once you violate? You cross over into adulthood. Yeah, you. So what I started noticing about no this system is this is a big, it's a billion dollar system, but it's my people. They keep of course up in there. So I feel as though when you have People like me that can relate to these kids who come from the same areas, it gives them a chance. And I and it's sad because my little cousin was killed uh, about three months ago. Nah. And, you know, he just made his mind up of the gang life. And I always say, once you choose that, I can't. Ain't too much I can do. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm bringing them to the... You know, trying to get them jobs and showing them, having them come to my camp. And he knows the the influence I have out here. And he just, you know, I was coming from North Carolina and he was shot and killed. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It was something that hurt me, but, uh, you know, I, you know, it really hurt me. But I knew. You were a little bit at peace with it. Yeah. You know, it's weird because I was just like, all right, it happened. I, that phone call was coming. It was coming. Because you yeah, know he I mean, made his bed, and that was kind of what he was yeah, trying to do. Yeah, and, you know, and when these kids, they don't understand when they get out here and they get active like that, man. And we, you know, in my in my city, is just notorious, you know what I mean? And it, and it's crazy. People be like, oh, you live in Bridgeport. But Bridgeport has a lot of different things they're pushing like, towards. Like every city. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But, we, you know, it, it is tough out here, too, because sure. we, we're losing lives, like, Two of my cousins that was beefing. My other cousin, my other little cousin, had got killed right after him, in retaliation yeah. for him getting killed because they were in two different gangs. So and they're and they're damn near first cousins. Oh, so this is the type of dynamic. Damn. You get what I'm saying? But when you see that stuff front line, and we going to one funeral and the other and the other cousin getting chased down by his people because they it, it was it was just like I've never seen. But this is stuff that goes on. You get what I'm saying? So Yo, for dog, me to be, heavy. yeah, for me to be positive makes me extra positive, and it makes me extra motivated because my son's coming up as well. About giving back, and I want, and I love, and I love my city. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, like and that was my problem in college. I love my city because yeah. my city showed me so much love, but it was to a fault. You get well, what I'm saying? But, but but now it's getting but better. But now you get a chance yeah. to kind of redo. Yeah, a lot of yeah. Now, 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 now I'm having fun with it, man, and. You know, and 
Recently, man, you know, we had a kid, man, and this kid was, oh, he was so good in ball, man. And then um, he got caught up in the shooting. And it was just like, now his teammate and him are beefing. These are two kids that we had. So me and the coaches, we trying to do family stuff. We trying to just try to smooth it out. They at war right now. So when you see stuff like that, you like damn the influence of the, the the impact of the city when and where you grow up at the projects and stuff of where they're at. They're really representing this, like and you know we watch it on you know with the rappers and everything. Like they don't know this is an influence on these kids. Like yeah. they rapping they yeah. hood and they project. They yep. dying for that. Yep. So. You know. I had a guest on the show, actually a family, you might know them, Carl Nickerson Sr. is his name, mm-hmm. New York coach, and his kids came through St. Raymond High School. Mm-hmm. Um, he was constantly saying when he was on my show, uh, the street is undefeated, meaning as soon as you pick that, you're not winning. You're not winning. And, and I don't know how many examples we need to see for it to make sense, because you was a knucklehead. I was a knucklehead. We all grow up thinking we know more than anybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's this, this real-life lessons out there that all you got to do is open your window in places that we come from. Yes. And you can see it. Nobody got to draw it for you, tell you about it. Like, you see it right outside your window. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't stick. Yeah, it's just like, you know, systematically, it's how it's designed. And, but I, the thing that I think that we should take is even in your environment, it's so many, so much more opportunity. 100%. You understand? 100%. So you just gotta be open. open I think mind. I think where it comes from is the adults. Yeah. Of helping these kids out. You know, you got so many adults trying to get the kids to do so much criminal activities or, or abuse them, manipulate them. Yep. That they ain't they don't got enough of us trying to do positive and teach them because they don't know what to do. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we should be the ones that's teaching them, and we go through a lot, a lot of that now. You know, so so you you just kind of going a little bit on a lighter note. Um, yeah. You talked about your involvement in the community. Um, mm-hmm. You have the New England Supreme Golf Tournament. That, yeah, that you started a couple years mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Are you a golfer? Do you like golf? You know what the crazy part is. And I'm not really a, a big golfer. I just started playing. Okay. Like within the last few years. And oh, I still play here and there. I love it when I do, when I learn the game. But um, I knew that golf is a socializing event. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are into it. You know, so I thought about doing it. And when I did it, all these people came out. So, you know, I was able to raise some money. Yep. Um, I made a great relationship with the golf course to do it there. Um, it was a great turnout, man. Um, people came out that I never thought would come out. So they wanted to make it bigger. You know, I've been on the phone with, like, you know, um, my guys like Richard Hamilton, Karan Butler, um, just different guys talking about the golfing. You know what I mean? Um, next year we're going to be try to get Scott Burrell last year. So we just, you know, it's just a great networking. It's, it's awesome. It's I, great. I, I mean, I, I so it's funny when you say you just got into it. Yeah. Most people, when they get into it, especially like later in life, yeah, it becomes like this addiction. Yes, yeah. You kind of start feeling like, oh, I need a club. Blah, blah. I had my small bout with that. I lived in Florida for a bit. Uh-huh. And I, I like, I took a little course. And I, you know, for two days or what have you, just mm-hmm. learn the basics. Yeah. Yo, I went out and bought clubs. Like, I'm not an impulsive type of buyer, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, I could do this. 
and I, I, I stopped. Yeah, one it's, day. A, it's addictive though. It it's is addictive. It Believe is. me, you know it's addictive. <laughs> so, so you 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 have this tournament, and, and the whole premise of it is to collect funds to yeah. provide for Bridgeport. We did it right? for the Sheen Center and um, Taylor Center and a couple different community centers around town. Got it. You know, just you know, uh, I just think any type of donation that you're giving. Um, going towards these kids is going to help them in any way. You know what I mean? Because I understand that now of uh, programming. We need programming, man. More programming. I preach it all the time. You know, it's when I was young, sports, after school programs, it was a must. Mm-hmm. We don't have that no more. I see these kids, well, ain't nothing to do. You know, I got, I'm going home. I'm, I'm trying to get some money. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm smoke weed. I'm going to play the video game. And that's what pacifies our kids now, man. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, get the city back into a, a form of, you know, the city's getting better. It's a lot of stuff coming out here and money coming out here now. So, yeah, we're trying to get some stuff for the kids, you know. That's dope. So you've 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 had a lot going on in your basketball life. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you've had support. Your father, your uncle, people around you that seem solid mm-hmm. that probably prevented you from going all the way left in certain cases. Mm-hmm. How do you see here in Connecticut the course that, that the kids have to take in order to try to achieve greatly in, in basketball? Like, do you feel like they have that kind of support? And um, what's the trajectory looking like? I'm starting to see it. I mean, um, kids are going to school. We had a, we had a kid, um, Tremont Waters. Um, he went to the Celtics. I think he had a great support system behind him. Um, we had we had another kid, Mustafa Haram, who was doing well at St. John. So the support systems are here. I'm seeing more people come out, but I think it has to be more of an impact on education. I don't think that, you know, a lot of kids is going not making the grades. Um, a lot of schools are passing kids. And it was like that when I was younger. But mm-hmm. now these colleges, we have a kid out here who was damn near All-American. We had no grades. I see seeing them sitting out here. I'm like, what you doing? You ain't go to prep school. You ain't go to junior college, nothing. Now I'm waiting on the school. I'm just going to sit out this year, take some classes. And they say, I take some classes to get my grades up. I used to tell yeah, and that's how you get lost. Of course. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think, like, with my son, like I said, you know, we talk about sports all the time. I, I want him to go to, you know, I'm going to invest in education with him. I want him to go to good schools and get a great education. So I know um, if, if if his knees do go out or he ain't or his body goes out, he has a brain and he could able to make a career and make some money out here and take care of his family. So you're a Bridgeport guy, really close to New York. Yeah. How did you not get pulled into the New York basketball world? Because you were hot coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Nationally ranked. You had all these accolades. What was it that prevented you? Because I'm sure, and you talked about it, but you had folks like Gauchos calling you. Mm-hmm. You know, all sorts of AAU squads, schools, and all of that. Mm-hmm. What prevented you from taking that jump and, and really getting deep in it? Um, just, just want to stay home <laughs> because to me it was like, okay, I can go to ISA, yep. right? And, um, I play with Brian Woodward, um, who was probably a kid out there with my guy. And I played for this coach, Ron DeClary. I don't know if you heard of Ron. He was a guest on, on Dribble yeah, and Downs. That's my guy. Yeah, Telling myself what's up. <laughs> Ron, Ron, me and I played um, with Royal Ivy. Yep. Um, we all played together. But I was still that kid from Connecticut. You understand? Yeah. So I'm in New York, you know, and they talking about Brian 20 and, you know, but it's still like. You felt out of place? Not out of place, but I was still that CT kid. 
But I'm saying. Yeah, because it was. Was that I didn't, a chip I didn't, on your shoulder because of that? Or did you feel No, like, it was because these were my guys. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I have fun. I didn't. Like, when I play with. Like, if I go out there, I play Andre Barrett. Or I go play with uh, all the. Kenny Sat. I'm. Yo, we chilling. I'm on the court because I know them. We ball them. We, you know what I'm saying? I, I ain't have no problem taking a back seat. And people are going to talk about me regardless of how I played. Right. But I just felt like I was still CT. Okay. New York is strong. So when you come from New York, they talk about they want New York. Sure. You get what I'm saying? I understand. So me being not being from there, it was just like I want to set my own down here, and then we'll go and play against New York. You get what I'm saying? Build it I, up here. Yeah, because okay. I felt like New York was New York, and because I'm not from out that's here. That's not where you're from originally. And yeah. it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's just like okay, yeah, that's that kid from CT. Oh, that's Cox, but he from CT. <laughs> just like that <laughs> kid. It's like it's like that Jason Williams, but he from Jersey. Right. Yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? And right. that's the feel I got. You know what I'm saying? I so. respect that, though. It's, it's yeah. funny because when, when I put, when, when uh, we were putting this podcast together, mm-hmm. I, it, the easy thing for me and my brother who, who do the show is like, all right, let's do New York because mm-hmm. that's where we're from. That's more or less what we yeah. know. And a lot of our guests have been New York affiliated. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to challenge that because I, the, I, I don't look at New York basketball. When people talk New York basketball, New York style basketball, mm-hmm. I include New Jersey and Connecticut because yeah. the influences are just so great. It is. And, and the styles are very similar. I, I look, you know, it's unfair to call. That's why I try to make sure we talk about it in the tri state yeah. to include everybody, not like New York and then have y'all like. Yo, UCT, but really, it's not. It's not fair. Nah. So, um, you know, this is kind of my first real like foray, like deep into the culture of yeah. Connecticut basketball, yeah. which is why I appreciate sitting with you so much. Because, yeah. like, you know, you think you know, right? And we have a conversation, and likely I'll have another conversation with somebody, and those conversations connect. Mm-hmm. So so nicely because of the same background and yeah. experiences. Yeah. So those are the stories I'm trying to collect because you don't hear too much. Like you know whatever they wrote about you in the paper, yeah. right? And, yeah. and highlight stuff, but not really getting to know you As a, and, yeah. the, and yeah. the things that you had to endure to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Of hopes. That's true. So that's that's what we're trying to do mm-hmm. um, with this. So this is why I really appreciate um, you sitting with us, mm-hmm. but. So that makes a lot of sense, right? You you want to establish your own here. Yeah, and, that that was the that was the that was the, that was just my biggest thing, man. It was just like, you know, um, you know, being from Bridgeport, we always felt that we was as good as New York, even when we played against them. Yeah, from AAU tournaments to everything, you know what I'm saying? So why wouldn't you? It was just like I. I I'm from I'm from CT man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like, but we we'll see y'all. We want to play y'all. You know what I mean? that's how that's how it was. It wasn't like I wanted to because I felt like when you take a kid from CT and you bring him to the city, the city adopts you. Nobody even knows you from you're from CT no more. Am I right? Facts. Because <laughs> um we had Super a, facts. we had a couple kids man that people thought they was from New York and I'm like nah that kid from Waterbury from right. me and he's like right. nah he been playing with them for and I'm like that's what they do but see this is this is my big uh, this is a contentious topic because excuse me pre in, in back in the day in your case exactly yeah. you you went to Kobe your entire career uh-huh. you didn't you didn't go to another school mm-hmm. prepped out somewhere else nah you stayed consistent with the place you yeah. you started at. I admire that. I miss that mm. because you get to know a player, and high school is the most critical phase of that. You get to know a player, you see him coming up, 
and mm. gradually improving and, and starting to make a name for himself. Yeah. And then you have the neighborhoods, the city, so you know, show that kid so much love. Yeah. That's when you start. That's when the coming of age kind of happens, mm-hmm. right? And then the notoriety just starts spreading like wildfire from there in their town, in their city, potentially even yeah. their state. That to me, that creating that, like that, you're benefiting from that right now. Mm-hmm. You feel definitely, me? definitely. Had you gone to New York, probably not. Same thing with UConn, my, Kansas. Exactly. Would I would I be able to come home and? Get felt by my hometown. And I, I, so that one, I, I disagree with. I think you, because, again, like you look at it from the, the grassroots level. Yeah. High school. Let's call that grassroots, mm-hmm. right? You're so involved in the grassroots of like yeah, high true. school. Yeah. High school is such a meaningful period of time. Especially yeah. if you were like a hoops junkie, mm-hmm. you got your high school teams that you're following in a particular area. Yeah, right? that's true. And then, it's, especially when now, now think about it like this, right? You had Kobe. Now you get national recognition, mm-hmm. and it's attracting attention to Kobe. Yeah, your name is the headline associated with that, right? Mm-hmm. Now you know the pride. People puffing up their chest. They never been to Kobe. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. like, yo, that's my that's my team. That's no, my right. people. So it, it was many, you know, many more great players that would start to come through there after me. So. so like you could you could easily had you gone to Kansas. You went to UMass. You come back to Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. All the love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like true. that to me is one of the issues I see because you come out of your designated area. Mm-hmm. You go prep somewhere or what have you. Granted, for that kid, it's probably a life-changing experience. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't discount that. Yeah. But I think there's more potentially more value for that individual. Well, I know kids. Lifelong. We see that all the time. We got kids that you know um, come from certain areas, and they take them away, and you don't even know that they from that area. You know what I mean? Um, we had, for instance, the kids from our waters. You know, he gets taken out, goes to uh, I think I forgot the prep school he went to, but he went to a good prep school. Um, and then he decides, like, you know what? My senior year, since I already picked my school, I'm coming back to play home. And and, and that right there told me that was big for him. Yeah. Just that he wants to play against the, the competition around him, his local competition. Right. And I thought that was great. I was like, I never seen that. Like, you just yeah, need a prep. Kent, Kent, matter of fact, Kent, Kent um, okay. prep school he went to. And um, when he came back, man, it was like an uproar. It was like, oh, he's going to play against Hill House and... You know, everybody got up, and I thought that was so dope. That is dope. That's different. <laughs> you don't hear that. But a lot of kids get taken away, and then they wind up, even they go to the pros, they was taken away from us, so we don't know those kids. You know I, what I'm saying? I had a, I had a famous Millbank coach. Um, you probably know him. Oh, my God. I just drew a blank. You're going to kill me. Uh, it'll come to me. Anyhow, um, he he came like the whole Jelly fam, the okay. all them cats. Like he he's been affiliated. He's been coaching those guys. Yeah, forever. yeah. Mobamba was one of his. Yeah, Mobamba. Yeah. He came out of Millbank originally. I blamed him when he was on the show. I was like, "Yo, it's your fault that I never heard of Mobamba until the NBA draft." A lot of us did. I know, and I, I told him the kid made the rap about him. Remember right, right, right. Check, Check West. West. Yeah. That was like, oh, that's your boy. Exactly. Oh, he's from where you from? Oh, shit. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of stuff that, that drives me insane because I'm like, man, like, you know how much I would love to, like, be supporting somebody like that? No. Like, really getting deep into it? Like, that, that to me is everything. But um, back to you, sir. Mm-hmm. Today, you, you have your camp. 
uh is that a, a year-round thing like how, how is that operating um yeah we do we do it uh we do it year-round um most of the time i do the summertime down in bridgeport and we have um a top 40 camp where we take the top 40 players from connecticut yeah. and we have them play you know see you know um have it's like a competitive camp we have yeah. um people have been loving it for a while too um oh other sorry than, I, I it just hit me his name is coach roosevelt byers rose byers rose byers i'm so sorry coach. <laughs> that's my, yo that's my man that's yeah. my man now and i, I spaced because you are right now like, i'm sorry bro i'm just uh, you know parent life yeah <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah um, after that in the, in the summertime, you know, we're gonna do our first season this summer of AAU. Okay. Um, how do you how do you feel about that? How do you feel about AAU generally, and then why you're? You know what it is? Is as much as we want to go against AAU, um, because it doesn't really make you better. But that's where all the competitive players are playing, and. If it wasn't for AAU, I don't know how many, how high I would have got ranked that early. You okay. get what I'm saying? Um, so AAU is, is is a great tool to see the talent around the world. You know what I'm saying? Like for me to get into the to into the top 50, you know, coming out of my freshman year of high school, it gave me a lot of hype. You know what I mean? But it was because of playing against uh, Lamar Odom and um, Rashad Lewis and Ron freaking Ron Tess and Elton Brand. I mean, they, they squad, whatever Versace squad was yeah, like, it had a shook. Like, Artes, Elton Brand, Eric, my boy Eric Barkley. How did y'all um, play? How did y'all fare? What was the name of the team? That was Riverside. We was we was the, we was the Sheen Center. Okay. And it was my freshman year, and I remember just seeing all these dudes and Tavares Bell, and I just went out there, and you know, we had a kid named Edmund Saunders. Who went with me? I mean, Saunders at the time was ranked number three in the country. Um, Kobe Bryant was in the tournament. The other, the other kid that went to Duke and left Duke, the big white center, I forgot his name. Um, but I yeah, I know we went there. I think it was Chris Burgess. I think it was Chris Burgess. Okay. Um, we went there and I walked in the gym and, and Kobe had did like a crazy three sixty, and I was like, oh shoot! And I see all these coaches and all the players, and I'm like, this is what it's about right here. You know what I'm saying? So. That tournament, Edmund wound up getting some squabbles with the coach. He left us and went to another team. Uh -huh. And the coach said, hey, it's on you. You better come on here and we want to play. He ain't here. Now, mind you, we got all these scouts coming because he's number three in the country. He's doing slam diary. Right. And, you know, he put me on the team with him. I came out there and he had left. And I'm like, you going to leave me on the team? And he's like, man, I'm out. I can't play for him. I went crazy. <laughs> you know? Because um, you knew. This was like, yo, this is a big this look. kid ain't Demar Johnson. Which played me at ABCD, and I went ham, and they was just like, "This do you know? I'm being written about. Hey, we, this newcomer came in. We ain't never seen this kid. He's gonna, you know what I mean? And, and it started, but you know that AAU could be. It's tough too with playing or playing all that summer ball, but at the same time, you need to. You definitely need to work out. You have to work out. You can't just play AAU the whole summer. But we're gonna invest in and try it this summer because we got a lot of kids out here. We want to get out. You know, yeah. Um, and then in the, in the wintertime, I do. I'm a private sector in Western Connecticut. Um, we we do their whole winter AAU. My um, company has a management agreement with them, so oh, okay. we run there. We you know it's it, it, it's great because we get to put our people on with jobs. You know what I'm saying? So they could become coaches and make a, quite a bit, a little give bit them, of money. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, so, yeah. So creating jobs. So you know, I look at it as hey. You know, if I went to the NBA, I could take care of everybody, but you still could help people out and take care of your people 
with business and doing making the right decisions. So you see it often. I'm sure at this point in your life, you look at it, and if you had made it to the NBA, you'd probably be similar to everybody else. Like, you're going to be giving be, people a cut of your money. I'd be broke. I told right. my, my mother said it. My mother said everybody has, um, is, is, everybody's life is written, she feels. And she was like, I don't think that was in the cards for you because I think that you would try to help too many people out. It, but it's it's the natural thing. But now you're in a position where you're teaching people how to fish. Yes. So you put them in position. Now you got to sink or swim, bro. Yes. The, the more you swim, the more yes. the more bank and you that's, And that's the thing that you start learning. Because you, you'd be like, if I wasn't the NBA, I would have just been. Yes. Now, now I'm like, what you want to do with that? How are we going to make this work? I'm going to um, open this door for you, bro. Yeah. You, you got to go do it. it. It's even people have taken the proper steps just to get in. Like you got to do a background check. You got to do a concussion training. I've had people that can't even get through those two steps. <laughs> and then it's in. an easy decision at that point. It's yeah. on you, bro. So now, yeah, so now it's like, all right, next, who else want to do it? You got somebody else? Who's next on the list? You know, and you you don't feel too bad because you're like, listen, man, you got to help yourself. And you find out it's givers and takers in the world, man. I'm starting to find that out now. <laughs> hey, yo, bro, there's people that go through life and never find it out. So never. be thankful. Mm-hmm. What is one of the major highlights that you've experienced as... As a player, um, the major major highlights. Well, something that comes to mind that you just like, damn, that was a great day um, or a great game. Okay, I'm gonna say we played in um, we played in it was in Chicago Chicago Bulls Arena. Okay, United Center. United Center and um, played against um, might have been Duke or North Carolina, and this is when you was at UConn. Yeah. We flew back on the Chicago Bulls jet, oh. and to me that was like amazing. Like sitting in Jordan seat, they showing us around the the, the the flight, the jet, and where they play cards at, wow. and, and I thought that was like crazy. Um, what that was like a Calhoun hookup? Like he just yeah, he was yo, cool with them. Must cats. have been Calhoun hookup. I mean, he, we, yeah, he was, pumped. but but we was so we were so spoiled back then yeah, because yeah, you yeah. know just coming off a championship, you got pros going in. We was we went to Nike Town, man. They was just giving us stuff. Yeah, you know was what I mean. It up, bro. I, I, it's people to this day that I gave some that still tell me how much stuff I gave. Them. I don't remember because I was coming <laughs> home getting so much. Gear. And then when Rip went to go play with Jordan. He would take care of me and my roommate Tone and Khalid and a couple of us on the team. We 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 had all the Jordans before they came out. So we on TV playing as Arizona with the Pat and Leather Grays. And people calling me, like, go on me. I was looking at my phone. Yo, my God, how you get? You know what I mean? So, you killing me right now. Yeah, so it was it was we was we was, you know, it was a lot of like, you know, amenities we got at UConn, you know what I'm saying? And um, you know, and it's I got one more highlight, the other highlight of my career. Was at UMass, and um, it was my homecoming. We used to play against UConn, and when I went out there, they was booing us so bad. It was uh, Okafor, Ben Gordon, Talik. Not it was Talik there. Talik Tone. All my boys was there, and we was up twenty nine to eight at halftime. Yo. And I had the whole arena. You had twenty seven of those twenty eight points. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I finished up about thirteen. Okay. But I had like nine rebounds, almost triple double. You know, we played great. Um, um, Micah started out killing. I had Micah going crazy. We had this kid Jackie. Jackie started out good. You know, Lapis is like they locked us out the locker room. We couldn't get in the locker room. Lapis is going crazy. They can't stop us. They think nothing can stop us. But he told us to hold the ball. He wanted to win so bad because he wanted we, to slow the pace down. 
And I told him, Coach, I don't know. That's we not the rhythm slow that I was pace down. We slowed the pace down, and I knew it was over as soon as. Uh, Damn, I was hoping this was going to be a happy ending. Michael was like halfway down, about to duck. And Ogilford just came and smashed it. And then the arena went crazy. And now Ben hitting threes. We had a kid named Rashad Anderson who wasn't even in the scout report who knocked down like about seven, eight threes on us. And they wind up beating us by about eight or nine. But it was but it was like, you know, it was it was a moment though. That it was like half was damn, like we like you know, like this is perfect right now, you know? So Damn. My two moments. How about your your low light? I think we probably touched on a couple of them, but um, I'm I'm gonna say probably my junior year when I found out that day at the doctor that my knee was I had a knee of a 62 year old and you know my knee was so bad and basketball was gonna be over. I think that became a low point because I almost actually just gave up on sports, you know. Period. Like I right. didn't want to work, not even just working out. You know what I mean? So. That was a very depressive moment, you know, to find out that, you know, even like, like you leaving your baby, man, it's over, man. We had a nice ride. Yeah. But nah. guess what? For, you know, for it to be real, for us to play right now, it's, 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 it's going to be over. So, I think then. <sighs> um, brother, this this was fun. I really appreciate yeah. having you uh, welcome me into your home, first and foremost, because no that's problem. not something I, t- I take lightly. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if you could speak to your former self. Mm-hmm. What would you tell yourself that might make a difference in where you are today? Um, like Calhoun said one thing to me that stuck with me. Um, if you're not mentally tough, you should basically blow your brains out. Uh. And he said that because life throws so many curves that you got to try to be as mentally tough as possible to make your way get through stuff. I'm not talking about mental illness or anything. No, 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 I'm just talking you. about being mentally tough. Right. You know what I'm saying? I tell, the, to, I tell the kids that now. It starts with here because if you can't get through obstacles in life, you know, and back then I wasn't mentally tough at all. Okay. You know, I was I was one to space out. So I would tell myself, to, my old self, be more patient, have been more patient, you know, like I'm going to tell him, and and to listen. You know, as young as young people, we don't listen. No, we don't. We quick to go against you quick. So That's, um, that's exactly what we do. You tell <laughs> us to go left, we go right. <laughs> It's, uh, it's the truth, man. Listen is the key. So I think if I changed some of them things, I probably would have been probably just in basketball a little further. You know, not in life. I, I'm happy where I'm at now. Okay. But I think I would have been further with basketball. That's dope, brother. Yo, again, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It's another wonderful episode of Dribble and Dimes. Thank you to Mr. Marcus Cox and his lovely thank wife you. that isn't here, but <laughs> definitely had to give him the green light to allow me in this mug. Uh, and, and to young little Cox over here who was uh, a great co-host today. <laughs> yeah! Get it, boy! Say yeah, yeah. Say yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribble and Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.